That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Jake, I am sitting not where I normally sit in Waco, Texas. I'm sitting in North Carolina, in an unincorporated part of North Carolina. I'm not even in a town. I'm in Davidson County, where my... Dad has a farm. I'm hanging out, doing some little family visit time. Uh, mm. He has a it's a farm turned vineyard, so I'm clearly very relaxed, just enjoying the rolling hills of North Carolina, uh, and the the family estate. It sounds fancy, but really it looks a little bit more like Sutpen's Hundred at the end of uh, Absalom, Absalom by William Faulkner. And nobody's read that. If you listen to this podcast and you've read that, and you know what I'm talking about, great. But just mm. just think, imagine. But you just you you just made it sound very very smart. Very well. It yeah for the five people listening. Uh, this mm. uh, yeah. Anyways, I'm here, and that's. The, but yeah, I just wanted to begin by talking about myself. But but now that mm. I'm done with that. How are you in New York? I'm all right. I'm all right. We're uh, getting ready for our big, uh, well, I think we've just finished, if you're listening to this, we just finished Creative Arts Camp. So right as of right now, we are putting all the final touches on our big youth program week camp that happens here in New York City. We have almost 100 kids registered, and uh, it's a real gift we give to the whole city. So, um, and it's a lot of fun, and this year they're doing the flood so uh, a lot of aquatic themes, and so it should be a good time. But most of all, we teach them the gospel. So good. You don't have like a holding your breath underwater contest, or mm. <laughs> no, that's not allowed. Uh, good. But good. Uh, but anyway, so that's what we're doing, and then I'm ready for a little R and R myself. So I uh, can't wait. Have you so. watched the Hillsong documentary on Hulu? I have not, but a uh, uh, good friend of mine, uh, Caitlin, is uh, one of the hosts in it. Oh, I've, so, I've watched two out of three episodes, and I was thinking about you the whole time, because it's right there in your backyard, and uh, yeah. and I'm just glad you are not a celebrity pastor. Oh, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you and I both. We're, we are both major we're, we're, influencers. We're local celebrities. We are reaching local celebrities. tens of people. With our yeah, tens of people. Our social media posts, yes. And I do have one ab, <laughs> so very big. One large. <laughs> Unlike Carl, ab. who had like eight. Um, eight and like a whole, like, I mean, good God, the pictures of him on the beach. Bro. Like, just what is, that is not a pastor's body at all. All right. All right, now I feel <laughs> anyway. bad about myself. But we have, let's move on, because our listeners are not here for this. They're not here for the yeah, banter. that's true. They want to get into track two of our readings for... Uh, but what they do want to know, Aaron, how many abs do you have? <laughs> oh, I've got the same number as you do, Jake. I got it. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so we have running bodies. So anyway. that's right. That's right. We don't believe in core workouts. Okay, track two. So that means uh, we're gonna our Old Testament reading is gonna be Jeremiah twenty verses seven through thirteen. Uh, whether you're track one or track two, we're the same. New Testament 
Romans 6, 1b through 11, and Matthew 10, verses 24 through 39. And I'll say all these passages basically deal with the reality of suffering and struggle and trial and difficulty in the life of the Christian. So nothing says happy summertime than Mm. talking about suffering and struggling in the life of the Christian. Uh, I know that you don't, Jake, uh, and I don't really Mm. much either as pastors, as ordained ministers. Our sanctification means that we don't suffer or struggle ever. Mm. But we have at various times in our lives, um, and uh, we could probably find something we can relate to. Mm. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Well, why don't we take it away? So our Old Testament reading is... um, yeah, it is not summer loving at all. It is a Jeremiah 20, verses 7 through 13. And really, uh, the context here is that Jeremiah, if you remember in chapter 1, so now we're knee-deep into the prophet, um, but in, in chapter 1, uh, Jeremiah is, is called by God, and uh, God actually promises Jeremiah that he's going to pro- speak this prophetic message without fear. And why? Because I am with you to deliver you. And he says, Behold, I have this day set over the nations and over the set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up and break down and to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. And Yahweh goes on to promise uh, Jeremiah. He goes, And they will not prevail against you, for I am with you, says Yahweh, to deliver you. And we come to our reading today, and uh, Yahweh, um, excuse me, Jeremiah is, uh, well, he's feeling a bit like he's been given a bait or switch. You know, he's uh, he's been sold a bill of goods, and that uh, this, um, well, this life of being a prophet of the Lord is hardly... Um, is hardly the awesome best life now that he thought it was going to be. Yeah, and so that really is the context and uh, for this particular reading. And I think that this particular reading, when you give people the context, really will speak directly to where people are. Yeah, I mean, even he, he's so honest. And most prayers I hear at the Bible studies or whatever small groups that you lead, or you you know, if you were when we were in college, we'd have these small group Bible studies and all that. And, and uh, nobody ever said God. You 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 baited me, you trapped me, and I'm really ticked off at you right now. Like that's just not the prayers you hear a lot, and often in our own lives, people don't feel like they can pray that way. But that's what he says: "Is like, Lord, you tricked me. Mm-hmm. I was enticed, and now everybody's laughing at me because my job. You know, here I was going to go into ministry. Now everywhere I go, I have to shout violence and destruction. Basically, that you're going to be attacked by an enemy superpower, Israel, and you will be exiled and all that. So I do the job that you call me to do." I can't hold it in because I try to hold it in. It feels like when Jake has had a large burrito with extra jalapenos, it feels like burning fire within him, shut up in his bones, and uh, and he can't hold it in. And so he says what he has to say, and it means that he gets laughed at and attacked and all that. Um, but he does say that God will be with him. And so it's to me, if you're going to preach on this, it, if you're a laughing stock, it doesn't mean you're doing God's will. But I'm saying, because you, you might just, you might just be a laughing stock. But I will say, if you are a Christian, it does not, it means that there, there, there will be times that you are feeling like you have been abandoned by God and that things haven't worked out. And it is okay to be honest about those things in prayer. And you can be honest about those things in prayer and God will still love you. You can still say to God, sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, as, as Jeremiah does at the end of this passage. So, he, you can be angry at God and still be 
his faithful servant and still love God. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah, and I think that this is the very powerful thing that, uh, so, that uh, I think this is the testimony of Jeremiah is that things, yeah, I mean, even though they're going horribly wrong here and uh, everything I see says that God has abandoned me, well, um, he doesn't go by what he sees, he goes by what he has heard. And what he has heard is that God is for him and God will never leave him. And, uh, and so in the midst of that, uh, and this goes back to the reading from a couple of weeks ago from Romans 4, you know, we, um, they didn't see it, they believed God. Abraham believed God and that was credited to him as righteous. And so here's this powerful thing that, and this is really the testimony of what Christianity is all about. Anybody can talk amazing about God when things are going great, you know? Anybody can have a great time about God when, you know, all of the problems are are upon my sister's roommate's cousin who lives in, you know, Seattle. But when the spit is actually hitting the fan, this is where the faith, the rubber hits the road, is that we uh, can continue to cling to God's promise that he will never leave us or forsake us. Um, in this moment, I'm kind of reminded of the great story of uh, Saint Ansgard. Uh, he's the great, one of the great uh, Scandinavian saints. And a lot of people don't know his story, but he's, uh, some people say he's the patron saint of failures. And so in Ansgard, uh, he was sent uh, by the Franks to missionize the, uh, missionize the Vikings up there. And uh, he went up there and it was a complete and total disaster. Actually, in one season of Viking, I think it's Viking season three, he's there and they put a, a burning hot sword on his hand oh. and laugh at him. But, uh, um, you know, he eventually went back to the Franks just kind of depressed and uh, it was a mess. And Anyway, about a hundred years later, the Franks sent missionaries back to Scandinavia, and lo and behold, there were these churches, and they were like, how did you, how did the gospel come here? And they were like, well, there was this guy named St. Ansgard, and my grandpa converted, you know? And uh, so, uh, I think one of the great lessons of this reading is, and that we learn from Jeremiah, we learn from St. Ansgard, is that um, God is at work even when we can't seem to see it. Uh, God is at work actually, especially when it feels like we've been sold a bill of goods. Uh, and uh, that the good news of the gospel is is that uh, that bill of goods does not have the final word, uh, but rather what God has said to you, that reigns over you. And, uh, and so therefore you can sing to the Lord and you can praise the Lord, for he has delivered the life of the needy from the hands of the evildoers, yeah. as Jeremiah says. And God will do that. He will deliver you not only from this present situation, I mean, this shout out to Suki, uh, Suki Kang, who's never going to listen to our podcast. She's a Korean lady that uh, has an apartment in Korea. We met just before we did the episode. And uh, man, she basically had all of this, all of her assets basically gripped over there. And, um, and uh, she is uh, quite distressed. But in the end, she wanted to pray and give thanks to God for all things. And I'm just reminded of her. And, uh, but that is the truth, is that ultimately this, if we believe Jesus has risen from the dead, then we have to believe that uh, he's got everything, including uh, the bait-and-switch feeling you may be going through under control. Yeah, I think about uh, this, uh, the, you know, and that we talked at the top of the show about the Hillsong documentary, and it, it um, has one of these taglines that was on the banners as you'd be waiting in line to get into the Hillsong New York service. And it's something I've seen a similar one at a church in Waco. Um, it's something like your best days are ahead of you or something like that. I'm like, bro, I mean, ultimately, yeah, I get that. But 
It didn't feel that way for Jeremiah. It didn't feel that way for Jesus Christ um, at the end of his life in ministry. So I just, I, yeah, I, I've, there has to be room for Suki and, uh, and for things like this of just dealing with the reality of, of suffering mm-hmm. in life. So we move on to Romans 6, 1b through 11. Uh, we have, again, Christians who are dealing with some suffering, and also they're asking a really hard question because they have gotten to this place where they've heard the message of grace, they've heard the message of the gospel, and um, and so it leads to this question that, that when you preach that there's nothing left for you to do, that God is uh, totally... Um, reconciled to you. You don't have to earn anything or do anything anymore. People say, wait a second, we got to do something. Um, are you saying that we can do whatever we want? Or are you saying that we can sin? And so this question that he's getting is, can should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? Paul is anticipating this, this question from people as he's um, explaining the gospel, because Paul is always getting flack for what he was preaching. And he says, no, because he says, you're, you're, not, you're not asking the right question. It's not what can I get away with? Can I still sin? Should I not sin or whatever? He's like, you, you, you're dead. You were baptized into Christ's death. Uh, you don't get it. Um, and so what he wants them to do is not, it's not that Jesus has given you a clean slate and now you have to go out there and keep it clean. Don't get it dirty. He's saying, no, you've died. The slate was destroyed. And so if you are still asking the question, what can I get away with? Or should we sin? Or what sin isn't too much? And, you know, um, he says, you need to come back to the first principle, come back to the fact that Christ died and we've been buried with him in his uh, crucifixion and risen to new life in him. So come back to that again and again. If you're in the bean counting game of Christianity, you've not fully absorbed and digested this fact that you have died. And that's okay. Like that's the Christian path is to kind of mm-hmm. every day, every year, every decade, you kind of go through this whole learning process over and over. Of we have, we've been united with Christ in a death like his, as Paul says. So uh, Christianity is not a sin uh, management system. It's not a behavior modification system. It's coming back again to the death of yourself, the death of your Amen. ego. And actually, if you do sin uh, and realize that you are not strong and you are not able to overcome, you might, that might be the process of you dying, uh, dying to hmm. your ego, dying to your illusions of strength and self-sufficiency. Um, that's the process of, of God killing that part of you so you can get to a place of resting in him, which is what it means when Paul says, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah, I think that that's a very uh, powerful, powerful way of putting it, Aaron. And uh, that the the, then this gives us a new uh, kind of operating system. So often Christians and everybody else in the world operates in terms of action and consequence. So if I do this, then this is going to happen, you know, and, uh, and uh, we operate with this in terms of God as well. So if I do this, then God will be angry with me. If I do this, then God will be upset. And that's why we get that question of how far is too far. And what St. Paul is saying is, is like, no, 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 you've been, you've been, because of the baptism of being baptized into Jesus, you've been brought into a different paradigm. And that paradigm is death and resurrection. So indeed, you're constantly dying, you know what I mean? And, uh, and you're constantly being risen. But, uh, uh, the point here isn't how far is too far. The point is, is like, why do you want to go back to the very thing that killed you in the first place? Yep. You know, uh, that's that's uh, Paul's argument here. Yep. 
Uh, so we move now to Matthew chapter 10, Jesus talking to his disciples. Um, again, this question of tough times for those who follow Jesus. And he say, he begins with this saying, a disciple is not above the teacher nor a slave above the master. So if the teacher, Jesus, the master, Jesus, is getting uh, accused, ridiculed, attacked, uh, people are plotting against him, uh, making life difficult for him. If that's what's happening to Jesus, then that is certainly going to happen to the students, um, because we're we're not better than he is. But he's and he has this amazing approach. And of course, Matthew's writing this now in the early days of the church, where persecution is already a reality. And so part of what he's saying here, it's he's speaking into two time frames at the same time. He's both quoting Jesus and he's talking about the persecution that the church is currently undergoing. Their best days are not ahead of them earthly in earthly terms. And so he says, um, when you are in this difficult thing, um, don't be afraid uh, and uh, just rest. <laughs> um, because those who can kill the body, yeah, that's the worst thing they can do to you, but they can't kill your soul. And you are so valuable to God our Father. Um this um, this thing about his eyes on the sparrow comes from this passage. Um, if two sparrows are sold for a penny and you're worth way more than them, um, and God knows any time a sparrow falls to the earth, he knows this. He knows what what you're going through. Um, so we'll continue this a little bit more in this uh, Jesus bringing a sword and a peace. But before we get to that, Jake, what do you want to say about these early verses in in this passage? I think you're absolutely right, and so I think. Uh... That is, uh, and, and this flows into what he's talking about in these later verses, is that so often we, um, we really, uh, what he's saying here on a, on a deep level is that we worry about the wrong things. Hmm. And, uh, and that it's when um, our desires are disordered, when we're worrying about the wrong things. I mean, I once heard it put, anxiety is the liturgy we perform before our gods when they won't speak to hmm. us. And, wow. um, and uh, we have a God who speaks, you know, and this is why he says, so have no fear of them for nothing that is covered or uncovered, nothing secret that will come to know. You know, it, it's basically, uh, I've got you. That is what, that is the point that he's making. And, uh, and so uh, we tend to worry about the wrong things. But when you have this peace that passes all understanding, uh, well, uh, that becomes the calming word when you know that his eyes, if, he's, if, his, if his eyes on the sparrow, and uh, if he has risen from the dead, well, then uh, he's, he has, uh, all of his promises that have been given to you at baptism are completely and totally valid. I, I've had the opportunity recently in my travels to be a passenger in a car driven by different people. And it keeps striking me how angry the drivers are at the behavior of other drivers. Now, the behavior of the other drivers might actually be bad. But I'm just sitting like three or four times with different people. I've been sitting and they're just like, oh, well, this, like, what's wrong with this person? Oh, what's, this person needs to get it together. Oh, can you believe what they're doing? And come on, lady, let's move. So what strikes me about this is just the, the kind of um, agitated, uh, anxious, hurried, busy energy that is driving the stuff and I, I don't you know because I, I feel like I'm not in it like I'm, I'm on vacation mode so I'm not and I certainly I've been guilty of this but you know it's now that I'm I don't have places to be and things to do so I'm just watching it I'm like why are we so agitated about this person like this hmm. even if they are checking their texts and the red light becomes green and they wait for three seconds 
Like you really are in a situation where you don't have three seconds to wait. So I'll, my point in all this is like we are kind of this massive anxiety-driven sort of self-absorbed egocentric kind of bubble we live in. And um, Jesus is inviting people when bad things happen to you. And of course, traffic is like the tiniest of things. And we, we get so upset about it. But if really bad things happen to us, it, Jesus is inviting us into this way of life, which looks like remembering, mm. oh my gosh, I am worth way more than a sparrow and God loves me and I can rest in that. Um, that's a, and, and I, that's yeah, awesome. So I just, I think, uh, I've been, that's not my, just, that's not my default mode. I, you know, I'm being honest. I'm not like saying, Hey, mm. I've got it together. Everybody yeah. get it together. But it's, yeah. No, but what you've, you've, uh, you've, uh, brought something up in me as well that I've been thinking about a lot too. And that is, um, a lot of my anxiety comes from, uh, in life, uh, wanting to like wanting people to like me. Like I, I, I live Can't with this relate. deep fear. I live with this deep fear of disappointing people. And, um, and so, and that, uh, that causes me actually to, uh, that fear, you know, do not fear like that. I mean, it's the ultimate thing for someone to be like, I don't like you and like, and walk away. Yeah. That's a big thing. And, uh, and so, um, but so, and I will bend over backwards sometimes to try and make sure even to my own detriment. And oftentimes, even what happens in that place is that I don't even know it. I'm now playing God and I am trying to like care for these people as opposed to like maybe actually God who cares for the sparrow is actually going to care for them as well. Yeah. And Jake, what, what God actually needs you to do is get the hell out of the way uh, so that he can operate and uh, not only care for you, Jake, but care for these people as well. And so, um, you know, so I think this whole thing is um, this idea of the big mess that we can get into when we start operating out of fear, we start operating out of anxiety, we start operating out of guilt. Uh, these, these are places where we uh, do not make healthy eternal decisions. Right. Because uh, we are trying to save our own life as opposed to recognizing, as Paul pointed out earlier, we're already dead. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've already been risen in Christ. And so, but this brings and flows beautifully into what uh, Jesus is talking about in this second path where he says, do not think that I've come to bring peace on the earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. Uh, you know, I always think about when I hear this, I think about Willis from Different Strokes, you know what I mean? Or Arnold from, and he was always saying, what are you talking about, oh, Willis? Oh, I remember. Like, what are, you, what are you talking about, Jesus? I thought you were the Prince of Peace. I thought you were the one who's come to bring peace. And I think, you know, so often also what causes my anxiety is I love to make lists and categorize people, you know, Jesus first, my marriage second, you know, and uh, and uh, my work, third, children third, you know, you know, and all of these things, these weird priorities. And what Jesus is doing here is he is attacking He's attacking the very thing where people found peace, where they found care, where they were finding their source of life outside of God. And we do the same thing. But what he is saying in this moment is that he must be center, uh, not high on a list of priorities, uh, you know, not high on a list of, but, but Jesus has got to get between father and son. He's got to get between mother and daughter, between each and every one of us so that he might actually bind us together, uh, not in our temporary weird holding it together types of peace, but his lasting peace, you know, to lose your life in the world for the sake of Christ, to die with him and be joined to his cross is to find one real life 
the one who really is life. And, you know, that's the point of this whole thing is Jesus has got to get between that. Yeah. Because he's the one who was abandoned by the Father. You know, uh, he was the one uh, uh, for our sake who was divided from his Father on the cross, which caused Jesus to experience the God-forsakenness of our humanity so that uh, you and I might be found in him. And uh, really, that is the good news of this particular passage is that Jesus gets between everything and us so that he might bind us together with his everlasting peace. Yeah, and I think there, one of the things that is uh, animating this whole passage and even these other passages we've talked about today is this idea of whether your life is um, oriented around yourself or whether your life is oriented around God. Is God someone who helps you to succeed or is God the center of things and you are simply there trusting in him and resting in him to make things um, go the way his will directs. And so I think about um, the phrase, everyone who therefore acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Whoever denies me before others, I will deny. We tend to hear that kind of thing and make it into a law. Must acknowledge Jesus, must language, acknowledge yeah. Jesus, must acknowledge Jesus, don't deny Jesus. Which is then we think it's like, well, I know in high school I thought this meant when I went to a party I was I couldn't drink um, or mm. I couldn't you know do anything publicly immoral or something. Uh, and I mean specifically this, you could have read this in in Mark's uh, time about or Matthew's time about sort of you know confessing Christ or Caesar. But but I think w- what it's getting at here in sort of a deeper layer is. Everyone who, um, they know their life rests in me and not in themselves, um, that person will experience the life of our Heavenly Father. Anyone who denies me, meaning their their own self, looking out for number one, is the main thing, um, that person is not going to experience the love of the Father in heaven, the sort of the Sabbath rest of God. There's nothing more to do. Um, and it does, this does uh, maybe counterintuitively bring not peace but a sword because people hate this message. People hate the idea of it's not all up to you. People, I mean, it's people like to talk about it, but when it gets right down to it, people love being in control. People love categorizing people and judging people. People love sort of um, a kind of system where, you know, if you change a few habits, you can transform your life. Like that is the law. It's up to what you do to make your life better. Um, And so when you come talking about resting and you come talking about your identity is not in your achievements and your resume ultimately doesn't matter, people hate that. Like, what do you mean? I've built my whole life on this. I'm better than other people. Look at what I've done. And the result is... It's a description. Um, this divides people from their fathers, fathers from sons, daughters against mothers, in-laws against in-laws, all that sort of stuff. Um, so, and Jesus is saying, ultimately, um, uh, what happens when you live a life not for self, um, but resting in God, uh, it'll look weird and it'll cause division. Um, so, this this is, a th- and you know, if you hear this passage and you as a preacher or as a listening to someone who preaches on this if you end up feeling, what do I need to do then? How do, what do I do? How do I die to myself? Well, it's already happening. Um, it's, it's probably already happened about five times today where you've realized you are not the person you wanted to be or you couldn't do the thing you wanted to do on some, on some level. And if you can connect to that and say, God, here's another place. This, the, our job is only to come back again and again to the one who is the source of grace and mercy and say, uh, here I am. And it's about you and not about me. That's all I got on these passages. You add anything else? Correct, amend, footnote, mm-hmm. annotate. 
No, I said all I needed to say, too. Well, then let's end this podcast and let people Absolutely. get back to actually writing those sermons and listening to us Absolutely. jaw on about it. All right. Well, Jake, until next time. Have a great day. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.